Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're on a collision course for the national championship and only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, but get out the way. Every single play, you got to find a way to get it done. Play after play after play after play. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince LaCocco. Welcome into From the Pink Seeds Podcast. We are excited to talk football. Louisville basketball season is officially over, uh, and Louisville women's basketball will we'll go into the postseason, and baseball is here, but spring football uh, is now you know, one of the big topics of conversation in the sports landscape around the University of Louisville, and because of that, that means the, the podcast that talks football has to start talking football. That's the law. That's the way it goes. Dilly dilly right here is what we would say to that. Mm-hmm. Excited to talk football tonight. We're going to, for the first time, really dive into the specifics of Louisville football's new head coach, Jeff Brom, and what we can expect out on the field. And we'll do that here on From the Pink Seats podcast on the State of Louisville Podcast Network. I'm Jacob Lane, joined as always by my good friends and trio here. We'll get to those gentlemen in a second. We got a lot going on so far. We got some helmets, uh, we, we got some weird decor over our shoulders. Matt's wearing uh, company gear. I'm proud to see this. I, I feel so proud. Uh, I'm a we're going to talk. We're going to talk a lot about Louisville football tonight and get you caught up. Uh, if you're just uh, getting ready to do- jump into football season, or if uh, maybe you've been just kind of loosely following, we're going to talk through a lot of the specifics of roster additions and in uh, you know depth charts and what you might see when Louisville takes the field for spring practice here uh, and just a. a what a little over a month april 21st spring football game on a friday night start of spring ball is the march 21st yeah spring, yeah spring game spring is game the 21st is, yeah my bad i misheard you that's okay that's all right man we're just getting started here a little rusty gotta shake the rust off man you know it's off season you it's, know it's we're not expecting us to be, be on top of form. yeah i know right i, mean, I love how he jumped in to I, correct me to only be wrong that's a fine <laughs> of some listen kind of i have show. basketball brain right now i'm still recovering Mm. It's, ah. it's 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 been a rough ah. yeah see, you if you're I like hear, me i hear I, your basketball see. mind making excuses that's what i hear that's what you picked see, up on the season if you're like me you checked out after the Bellarmine game did you, did you go to a game and when they won when i did yes Western first game? game of the year me and dad went to the western kentucky game and, and then you didn't go back and yeah they lost that's i'm good games i, I mean good. you failed <laughs> he, he, he saw his win yeah yeah he was also 100 louisville was i don't know what i'm talking about with Greg and Alex Stingel in in attendance, Louisville was that's three. A, that's a stat right yeah. there. Shout out yeah. to the Stingle family. They were uh, they were four and eleven with me in attendance. So not so good, man. That's that's more Matt McGavicky, you know. And and look, look, we got a lot to catch up on. But Matt, you went to Atlanta. Louisville got blown out in the basketball court. Didn't you see? Like, did you go to a baseball game and the team you were cheering for got? Beat their no, basketball game. No, Cavs I went game. to the Hawks Cavs game and the, the Hawks got smashed. Mm. <laughs> 
But you interviewed Donovan freaking. Well, Mitchell. I interviewed Donovan yeah. Mitchell, so hey, you know. Round of applause for our buddy Matt McGavick right here, man. The, he remembered me, right, large. Right, Matt. He did. He did actually remember remember me. No, he remembered me, Matt. Right. No, he remembered me, Vince. It's hard to forget that big ass head. Yeah, he's like, oh, <laughs> there's a little less hair on it the last time I saw you, but it still blocks everything in front of me. It looks familiar. All right. Yeah. Well, that's great. Proud of you, man. That's a big accomplishment. You. And you asked a great question, by the way, which uh, he's been getting uh, shamed by the Twitter mob, getting, you know, absolutely for the first time sort of canceled by the Twitter mob. Donovan Mitchell is. So how about that, man? How about that? Look, look, all right. Enough basketball. I don't think anybody wants yeah, to be bored by that. Throw this shit out the window. I'm done that's right. About it. Vibes. And you know, it's so funny because of the way that the the seasonality of sports and the wave of you know college football kind of ending and college basketball picking up. And normally, we're used to college football ending and then basketball being you know kind of at the peak of when they start to take off. Uh, so this is a weird adjustment for you know coming back in and, and the basketball program winning less games than the football program did. That's a hell of a, a feat right there, man. I, I think you put that on the top of your resume. Uh, if you're Jerry Eves, that your buddy Kenny Payne did that, you know, <laughs> uh, man, I, but uh, football now we've kind of, you know, we've, we've, I don't think we've exited the honeymoon stage with Jeff Brown, but uh, you know, it's not as, I don't think it's been as closely kind of followed the first 100 days like it was with Kenny Payne because there was so much silence from the basketball program here. You know, Louisville had buzz instantly. They bring all those guys into the recruiting class. They keep them signed. You know, they they get some transfers, which we're going to get into all that here in some in the, in a little bit. Um, and then they you know bring in a monster staff and really just kind of own the offseason. But now it feels like no one's really talking about football, and we're about to really get into some important time where the yeah, details kind of a holding pattern. It happens. Yeah, right. Exactly right. Because, you know, we're busy talking about women's basketball and, and them, you know, fighting to come back and potentially win an ACC championship, Louisville baseball uh, and the Italian missile, you know, of the state of Louisville podcast <laughs> network in third and central state of Louisville athlete. Uh, you know, so we're we're busy, right? We're busy. But now we come back um, and, and it's time to really dive into some important time, um, which is spring spring football. And Matt, we've been doing this now. This will be our what our third spring practice. Uh, three, you know, I cycle. So, I think our, it is. Yeah, our first episode first one, was nine. after the Wake 2020 game, wasn't it? So it'd be one, two, three. Yeah, it'll be our third. Uh, yeah, and practice. if you remember, you know, the last couple of years, spring football has been in February. So Matt and I are rushing to get content out, and Vince, we're rushing to get our, you know, our postseason wrap up content, and then our, you know, last year Scott Satterfield comes on literally as our last episode of the wrap up, and then spring football is happening in the meantime. It, it's just it's crazy, but anyways. I say all of that to say we're here tonight to talk about the defense for Louisville football and and really to try to uh, introduce what we're going to see and what we can expect this season. Uh, it's it's a really, really interesting uh, kind of storyline in itself because of how much Louisville lost last year, right? You don't bring back Yasir Abdullah. You don't bring back Katrell Clark. You don't bring back uh, Yaya Diaby. You know, there's Monty Montgomery leaves to go to Ole Miss. You have Debo Jones leaving to go to Cincinnati. You know, obviously that staff is completely rebuilt. We're going to get into that here in a second, but um, you don't really know what you're going to expect for Louisville's defense. Again, you know, we find ourselves in a very familiar spot, uh, but it's interesting because there's guys here for the first time, you know, in Louisville's years in the past, when they've struggled defensively, they've not had a lot of depth. They do and have had that the last two seasons. They bring a lot of guys back, young guys, um, and then they add a ton of veteran guys who can come in and, and really provide a spark. You look at the the coaching staff from last season compared to what you have for this season. Louisville, obviously, there's one one person, two 
if you include Deion Branch that stay, but Louisville obviously is replacing an entire defensive staff. So you're talking about defensive coordinator, Brian Brown, talking about defensive, uh, or excuse me, linebackers coach, Derek Nicholson, Greg Gasparato, Wesley McGriff, all these guys gone. Uh, Most of them to Cincinnati, Derek Nicholson to Cincinnati, then to Miami. And then wasn't there another Cincinnati coach from Louisville that left? uh, Coach G went to uh, Troy. He's the defensive coordinator at Troy now, Gasparato. So there you go. And look, I'll tell you, I really loved that defensive staff last year for Satterfield. I thought it was had really improved from where it was. Um, and they're replaced this year. Got iron top. You got to you got to get the you got to get the money, man. Look, follow the money. Derek mm-hmm. Nicholson hit follow that upgrade money. button big time, man. He got the job yeah. in Cincinnati and was like, mm, "Let me go to Miami real quick." He's um, from Miami. He's probably he's the Florida. Oh, he's gonna guy. kill it, man. So yeah, he's gonna That's have gonna everybody in Miami get with. That's gonna be a bitch to recruit down there. Oh yeah, no doubt. Well, and Louisville's got to play Miami more often. Here it is on the defensive side. This season, well, hey, you can't at this point. You know, the recruiting is going to be limited. What he can do to impact. It's it's the game before Kentucky at Miami. There we go. All right. So, defensive line coach uh, and defensive coordinator uh, slash co-defensive coordinator. I guess I should say, uh, Mark Hagan. He is the 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 big get for Jeff Brom to come to Louisville. Ron English is a guy that everybody's excited about. We talked about this for a couple of weeks, but the the ties to Louisville staff here are just, you know, to Louisville previously are really cool. And Ron English was obviously the one, you know, bright spot of the very dark Steve Crackdorf days. And a guy who quickly, you know, followed the cheddar and jumped to Eastern Michigan, where he, just like Imani Bates, failed massively. Uh, so, you know, you're talking about a guy that, you know, later on in his career has probably learned a lot of lessons and probably won't be looking to jump anywhere. Uh, and a guy that knows the program. Uh, but then you bring in and keep Mark Ivy. You saw in the bowl game, you've heard the impact from guys like Yaya Diaby, Cottrell Clark. These guys have talked about what he brought to the team and why that team fought for him. Uh, he sticks around and will be in a linebacker coach's role um, and really probably helping all over the defense. Uh, but then you also have Carl Maslowski, who will be assisting in the linebackers coaching role and also covering special teams. Another guy with Louisville ties. I think that's a theme here. I I'm love so it. Happy. I'm all here for it. Look at that smile on his face, man. Look at that smile. I mean, he's an awesome dude, and I'm excited that he got his opportunity to finally be a position coach. Yeah, for sure. And then you have, I don't have it on the list here, but I just, I just, I just realized, but you have Steve Ellis who comes over from uh, East Carolina, I believe as a defensive backs coach um, and will be the cornerbacks coach for Louisville on the defense. Uh, I believe I remember it's been a while, but uh, just kind of refreshing my memory. I remember there was some conversation much like with Brian Brown around the difference between secondary coach and then cornerbacks coach, because I believe Ron English also has the secondary coaches role. So look, it's, safeties. Big J on fire tonight, all over the place. <laughs> uh, but the, there's the staff for you. And then when you look at the roster, that's where we're really going to see some some turnover for Louisville. You're talking about losing Yaya Diaby. You're talking about losing Yasir Abdullah, Monty Montgomery, Momo Sonogo, uh, uh, Trey Clark. You're talking about, um, you know, reserves. You're talking about guys who really made an impact, you, you know, all over the place. And, and then behind them, you've got guys like, you know, um, Ashton Gelati, you've got you've got the Cam Wilsons, you've got the the Des Tells, you've got the Mason Rigers. Um, that you know, there's other guys, Ben Perry, Jarvis Brownlee, who come back that really can provide some fire firepower for you. But those losses are going to be massive. We're going to talk about that here in a few minutes for sure. 
We tweeted this out from the podcast account. Let's start with each of us, and we can just kind of go quickly. But when you think of Louisville's defense in 2023, knowing you know what you know about staff, which again, I'm going to get into that here in a minute of really laying out specifics, but staff, players, the exits, the scheme switch, what's the first thing you think of when you think of the defense for Louisville football this upcoming season? For me, it's you know, with the going to the four down, switching from a three down to a four down and just watching some film on them, you know, I'm very confident in how well we will be doing in the run, in the run game, uh, especially coming from that conference, a run heavy conference. If you watch the Michigan game, uh, which I watched the first half of that, uh, you know, their, their D line kind of in a way got bullied. And I feel like that's just because Michigan outdoed them at that point. I mean, just Michigan has that's better phrase, players. Man. That's yeah, free Michigan free. just says <laughs> Michigan has talent, man. I mean, exactly. So, I mean, that's that's what I watched that the first half of that and the first half of the Minnesota game. And the first half of the Minnesota game was a lot more uh, of an indicator and seemed like they matched up well. So I'm excited to see what uh, the D line can do uh, with a four down spot. Just add another guy in there to defeat Thomas uh, paired up with somebody else in there uh, at the same time. Uh, passing game wise, I kind of I uh, expect. Expected a little bit better, to be honest with you. Uh, they seemed like the quarterback sat back and found a lot of holes uh, in the defense. Uh, funny enough, I feel like we'll be bitching about this a lot with them is a four down blitz, just rushing four. So uh, sorry, guys, we've upped the three to four. <laughs> <laughs> just even that base package <laughs> of blitzing, man. But yeah, so I mean, I did, can't see, ever I, leave I did see a lot of that in uh, the Michigan game, and uh, that bothered me quite a bit. Uh, or at least in the first half, I saw it probably two or three times, which is two or three times more than I liked. Uh, and I'm fine with just rushing four, but rush four with a stunt. Uh, don't just rush four in the A, one in the A, one in the B, one in the, you know, don't just rush your gaps, you know, do something creative with it. Yeah, that's kind of where I, but there's also positive stuff that I did like. I hate to be a little bit of a Debbie Downer, but I'm curious over the next month or two, to see how the um, portal, the remaining portal needs are going to be addressed specifically um, at linebacker because I'll, and we'll get into it later on um, in the show when we get into the scheme breakdown, but linebacker isn't like a super, especially like the two inside linebackers in this game that are not super integral to this defense, but considering Louisville, lost their two pro- uh, projected starters at the two inside linebacker spots that's going to like impact it at some point so Louisville's going to have to address this uh after spring ball ends when that spring when that uh, spring transfer window opens up I believe in May like that 15 day period in May but I mean other than that I think Brom was um Brom did a fantastic job retaining what he could and bringing in talent via um, the high school ranks and the transfer portal. Now there's still, I think last I checked, there were seven scholarship spots. So there's still going to, there's still probably going to be more dudes come in, but overall, I mean, this, the defense still has a fair amount of talent in various spots, despite losing some probably NFL draft picks. Three of them. Yeah. And maybe even yeah. more uh, for me. I think the big, storyline or the thing that I'm really watching, especially in spring, each coaching regimen switch brings about finding a new face of a team and finding a new guy that is sort of the 
the leader by, you know, star power of a team and a program. For me, that guy this year is Ashton Gelati. He is going to step into being the face of that defense um, and a guy who, you know, if not for injury the last couple of years, probably would have some pretty incredible numbers for, you know, a, a dude going into his junior season. I think he's a guy that's going to be on the draft radar at the end of this season. Look at what what uh, they've done with defensive ends. Um, and and I'm horrible with pronou- with pronunciations, but the dude, his first name is George. I, I know that uh, the defensive lineman. Carl Loftus. Yes, thank you very much. They've had they've had several guys. That's just one. There's more. I don't have names in front of me. I think Ashton is the face of the defense. What does he bring to the pass rush? He has one side locked down, and in, in that, if you're really you know just bringing four, I feel comfortable in one. You know, we got to start somewhere. You know. So yeah. I feel comfortable with one. You know, and all, and, and we'll in see. all reality, you're going to need two guys to block the feet sure. as well. Yeah. So, and then, oh, yeah. I mean, remember, there's a big defensive lineman who transferred here last year from Arizona State who. Exactly. I mean, I, uh, he's on the team, I think. I don't really I know what Jermaine Lillet's situation he is. is. But, so <laughs> Which, about, I mean, that's that, that's whew. that's what is exciting with these guys. And what I was kind of alluding to was just us uh, having, in my opinion, more athletic guys than what Purdue probably had up front. And uh, probably at the end of the summer and spring, at the end of the spring and summer, we'll probably have just as big of guys because they're going to want to beef them up to match the size of UK and Clemson and uh, these other teams that the past three or four years we haven't been able to match up size wise. Presley, what do you think, man? What's the what's the first thing that comes to mind? Your overall thought of the defense? Well, first of all, did, did we just have a big J journalism bomb there, where Matt McGavick seemed pretty confident? that one Jermaine Lillet is on this roster. And I don't want to give away any inside sources or anything, but. I, I thought that was known already. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows, man. I don't know. I don't, it's a mystery. It is It is a Hardy Boys mystery. I, yeah, I mean, well. what do we know? I don't know, but. It's well, breaking I news. Yeah, <laughs> I've always wanted to write a children's book. So like, if you guys want to hop let me in, call the AT. Let me, let me call their athletic trainer real quick. <laughs> we're gonna know in like in like 18 days though that's the funny part so they're yep. gonna have to you know i mean spring football yeah, it's, it's, is gonna at some point before september we'll have a roster we'll see when that happens but we'll have a roster at some point that's all i'm saying uh, when i think about this defense though to kind of get back to your question not derail the train uh, like like the rest of america um I, 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 <laughs> shout out alan thomas uh, i i uh i feel i feel like i just think about speed when I think about this defense and when you, when you look at what a, the, the, the defenses that Im- implement a four, two, five scheme, um, you think about how they try to implement team speed. They try to bring down a lot of secondary players to linebackers, perhaps maybe send some linebackers up, up forward. So there, is, there are some things that we're going to kind of take that, that are similar to what this defense already had uh, where you're, you might be playing some undersized quote unquote players at different positions, uh, in order to utilize their team speed a little bit more. I think that's often what you see from a 4-2-5 defense rather than being a traditional like 4-3 defense or something like that. Uh, and and a- a- additionally, uh, you know, I think about that kind of uh, Mark Ivey flair to a defense uh, where, you know, they want to have a lot of guys flying around. They want to be really aggressive. I want to see more of that. It'll be interesting to see how that Mark Ivy flair gets inserted into this defense with him being the linebackers coach. Is it inside or outside backers coach? It's one of the two. Look, but his like listing on the roster, the staff roster is defensive assistant. What he's rogue, man. Nobody knows. 
Nobody. He's just going to walk out year. there. I'll tell you all right now, pre-practice, he's just going to headbutt every single player. That's his job. He's going to leave. But he's just going to leave after that. <laughs> well, no, Maslowski is listed as the linebackers coach. I, I was doing a little studying today. Oh, my God. Uh, I would which, love to be in either one of those rooms, man. Can, Mez, well, well Maslowski assists, assists Ivy. Maslowski is mainly the special teams guy. Okay. So well, look at that. Some more. Look at Matt, dude. He, Matt, this dude's had some time to J. recharge his J, man. That's what's. <laughs> I bet Matt, I bet Kara loves that hard J. Uh, anyways, I, I I that Mark Ivy is kind of like the resident vibe coach. Like we might need to start calling him Mark Vibe. Uh, because like he's just gonna be he's just gonna be out there just I wish I had vibe. a soundboard that could just rain in booze right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm serious though. Like that's that's kind of like the what I get from him, like his position on the on this roster or on this roster, on well, on the coaching roster, I guess. But when you look across the way that Brahm is, has instituted his defensive stats uh, at, at Purdue since 2016, right? Was it 2016 or 17? So, Whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, so so every, every staff that he has had, there hasn't been just a singular defensive coordinator. Uh, they always have co-defensive coordinators, and there's always a guy like Ivy on the roster that's just like the vibe guy. Like he's just like he's the defensive assistant, but it's kind of known that he's kind of seen as the defensive coordinator. So when you go back and you look at, you know, I kind of – uh, just took some note of, of of what they had on this coaching staff over the last few years. Uh, Anthony Poindexter was their co-DC from 17 to 20. Uh, Brad, Brad Lambier, or Brad Lambert, uh, came over from Marshall for one year in 2021. Uh, and that's the year that they had a lot of success. And we can get into that a little bit, but they were the 34th best defense in the country uh, when when uh, Brad Lambert was there. And then obviously, we you know, we know Ron English was at Louisville before. Uh, he was a head coach at, at Eastern Michigan for four years, uh, worked, worked for the Browns, worked at Florida, Mississippi State, uh, then back to Purdue. Um, and, and he's a guy who uh, is kind of responsible as well for this 4-2-5 scheme, uh, who I think that he was one of the only positives when, when uh, Steve Cragthorpe was at, was at Louisville. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what the vibes are like. I think Mark Hagan is, is the other guy that we haven't mentioned yet, uh, who it seems like he was like a must-have. Uh, from from Purdue staff that that Purdue fans were very sad to see go, kind of like a Mark Ivy for us. So when you have the two Marks in town on the defensive end, Mark uh, and things, Mark, Mark and Mark, Mark and Mark, uh, that'll be interesting to see how they play off of each other. Uh, I thought that it was key though that that Mark Ivy was was retained on the staff uh, because of what he will bring to the table. I just want to see dudes flying around, uh, and that that's my concern. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, probably, but I, I, my concern is that Purdue did not get to the quarterback nearly as much as we're used to at Louisville. Uh, and they allowed, you know, we, we get back to those big plays. When they had their bad defenses, they were allowing a lot of big plays. Uh, they were kind of up and down under, under Jeff Brum, but um, when, when they had their good years, they were able to keep things contained. So uh, we'll get into that a little bit more, but that's, that's kind of my, my thought process is I feel like they're going to recruit a lot of athletes and then we'll figure out where they fit from there. All right. So let's talk specifics with the scheme here. I think that's really um, one of the most important parts of, of talking about this defense in, in the season of 2023. Uh, four, two, five. That, you know, that's a, for people who are used to three, four, they're like, okay, well, what, what's the difference? Obviously I know four down linemen, but Matt, I want to talk 
a little bit about what you wrote earlier in the offseason about this defense. And I want you to just kind of specifically as you you can, you know, describe the new additions to the to the defense. You know, we know the card, we know the dog, we know like those terms that, that the previous staff used. Mm-hmm. What's the new additions to this defense? And just kind of give us a, a breakdown of what that looks like. So just right off the bat, for those who don't know, a four two five defense is where you've got the the four down defensive linemen, and you've got the two middle linebackers or inside linebackers behind them. And then on the back end, you've got five defensive backs, sometimes four with an or with an extra like hybrid in there. And I'll get to that in a second. So with the defensive linemen, um we're used, we were used to it over the last four years of having just that one nose tackle in the middle. Well, the nose tackle is still there, but there's also going to be a defensive tackle in the mix. And the, the reason there's one's called a nose, one's called a D tackle. The nose lines up over the shoulder of the center and the D tackle lines up over the outside shoulder of the guard. The exact positioning kind of determines, uh, it kind of varies the exact position, but that's generally where they line up just depends on what shoulder. Uh, the two defensive ends, one's just your standard three technique D end. And the other one is called, is called a Leo. And with what that is, it's basically a defensive end, but their hands not in the dirt. It and their role is exclusively pass rush. It's it's basically the the dog outside linebacker with zero um, coverage responsibility. Interesting. It's, so you're talking about a guy like, who's just like you're just like go. You like you know you almost like yeah. take the leash off I, and like go go. You know. I think that'll be a Stephen Heron this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I just watched some of their film. It looked like his body and his mold of being like a stand-up. I think he wants to be a stand-up BN. I'm I'm not sure. I know he did a lot of that in high school. I, I would be lying to you if I told you I watched him all the time at Stanford. So just he, he looks to be a little bit more explosive out of a two-point stance than what he would be out of a three-point stance. Behind the D-line, you've got the linebackers. One's a, a middle linebacker who is a little bit bulkier, kind of sticks his nose more so in the thick of things. And then you've got a an inside linebacker, which is basically a weak side linebacker that kind of plays away from like all the actions, kind of the speed focus has more of an emphasis on coverage than the middle linebacker does. And then you've got the five of the four, two, five. Now four of those is just your standard two corners, two, two safeties, one free, one strong. And then the fifth one is like the wild card on this defense. So the fifth person of the five is what is known in this defense as the star. Now, other uh, schemes and other 425 sometimes call it a rover, but it's it's the same thing. Um, it is a hybrid safety linebacker. It's it's pretty much uh, what Card was in the previous in the uh, previous scheme. So that's basically someone who spends a lot of time in the box, but doesn't but doesn't. But let me rephrase it spends a lot of time in the box, but has the ability to also back into coverage when they can. And this, I mean, this this position right here has uh Ben Perry written all over it because I mean, he's I was already- gonna say every position, every defense has this in some aspects. Some defenses they call it a nickel, dude. Uh, take the toy away from the damn dog, man. Come on, what Jack, are you doing? Jack wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> Jack said yes, four two five, four two five. All right, all right, all right, all right. Back, back to it. My Matt, that was a beautiful job explaining the four two five. And you. you know, I wouldn't have done it any better myself. 
except I would have got the numbering system right, and it's a five, not a three for the end. You you said the end was in a three tech on the outside shoulder. Of the oh, group. yeah, that's a five, bud. Chill out, Travis Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it, I we haven't, that in there, man. We haven't that recorded in, what, two, three weeks? I'm a little rusty. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. We'll, we'll, your next yeah, test okay. I give you on D-line, uh, you know, I expect you to know that, though. I will take you on an Oklahoma drill right now. <laughs> Look, I mean, just build my I'm so, so, no, no, no. Forget the show. I don't care about anything else. Let's. How do we get that going right now? Oklahoma <laughs> drill outside my front door. I, I mean, I've got a helmet. Yeah, <laughs> I can be over rude. And, and, and I've got two good knees. Get over there. <laughs> All right, go on. Back, back go to ahead. The defense. Uh, yeah, four two five. Matt, that was a great job describing the defense. That was freaking awesome, man. Uh, one. Complaint I have with this defense is uh, the fifty-two point six three percent I saw on the on Purdue's website on first, fourth down for the opponents getting, which uh, was a bit concerning for me. Uh, on to the defensive specifics and things like that. Uh, like Presley was alluding to, their pressure in the two games. Granted, I watched the first half of both games, so things could have sw- swung completely in the second second half. But in the first half, it looked like those. When they just rushed four, it was not getting home at all. And especially when they weren't uh, doing a stunt, you know, like a loop or a TE or anything like that. Uh, And there's a lot more stunts you can do, obviously, with four defensive linemen because you don't have to worry about bringing a linebacker. Uh, With that nickel guy that everybody is really, you know, curious about, he, to me, it looked like he went to the passing strength a lot which, you know, obviously he would do that. Uh, so there's a formation that Minnesota came out in where it was a single receiver to the boundary with a tight end to that side. And what Purdue decided to do, I I mean, it was – they've done it a couple of times, and whenever they got this look is they either brought down uh, the free safety or they bumped the linebackers over and filled that guy. Regardless, they filled that passing strength with that nickelback, but they also love to have a guy down – not completely in the box, maybe like two or three yards behind that linebacker, just to honor that passing of uh, that tight end, but also to be able to fill the hole on the run game. Uh, they do that a lot with their squeeze sets and things like that as well, uh, which I thought, you know, was cool. Four down defense, you know, provides for a lot more opportunity for guys to run around and fly. I feel like in the passing game, at least, uh, just because there's, I mean, guys aren't worrying about rushing all the time. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, the games that I watched, uh, I watched their game against Penn State, their game against Maryland, and then their game against Michigan. You mentioned earlier, Vince, how like they don't blitz like a whole lot, which like, I mean, I couldn't find the blitz numbers. I'll just get that out there right now. I couldn't find the actual like tangible number, but I mean, they, yeah, they weren't as prolific of blitzers as Brian Brown was this past season, but I mean, they didn't completely shy away from it. Their, yeah, their yeah. main, their main difference in how they blitz was uh, what I picked up on is they were wanting to take the extra blitzer and kind of stack it on the line of scrimmage, like opposite of like the D end, yeah. instead of having like the inside linebacker kind of hover over the middle and kind of show blitz and like try and blitz like the A, the A or the B gap. Um, and going back to kind of disguising that a little bit, yeah, their their base is the four two five, but they mix in a lot of the four three, and honestly, when they are blitzing, I saw a little bit of the five two, so yeah. they get a little bit more beef on the um on the defensive line, and 
going back to the point that I made earlier about being concerned about linebackers, the thing about Brian Brown's defense and his three, four, the defensive line kind of ate up blocks and allowed the linebackers behind them to make the plays. And so when you look at like the final stat sheets, you see like a Momo Sonogo or a Monty Montgomery or your Sierra Abdullah being those guys being the ones that get your sacks, that get your tackles for losses. In in this defense, based on what I've seen out of those three games I saw and clippings of others, um, it's a defense that is very much predicated on winning your one-on-one battles up front. And it a lot of the production as results, like in terms of like sacks, tackles for loss, like your havoc plays comes from the defensive line not the linebackers i mean it's not this is kind of a blanket statement when describing the linebackers but the overall gist of it is relatively on point but it seems like the linebackers more so serve as cleaning up if a defense if defensive linemen don't win their one-on-one battles now the wild card being like the star has like gets his nose in there. Like he's usually like that bullets, that blister on the edge and a five, two or back into coverage. So he gets his, his fair share of production too. But overall the like the two inside linebackers are kind of like, you know, I don't want to say safeties, but like they're kind of a security blanket for like the run game or plays that are like kind of in that close area. And they don't, they don't necessarily pile up, a lot of sacks, tackles, losses. They get their tackle numbers because, of course, the defensive line, the linemen aren't going to completely like bottle up the play every single time. But a lot of the like most noteworthy plays that come from the front seven are going to be made by the defensive linemen. And what else I, I I noticed with just the the linebackers speaking on that, man, the outside guy. I, a lot of times in that defense, he was getting bad eyes. I mean, his eyes would get caught inside. And that's where, you know, y'all heard me talk about the honey hole all season last year, the past two years with sat in them. That's Shore up the where honey they hole. Would, exactly. That's where they would find that spot every time is they would catch that outside linebacker who's really supposed to be sinking back into that hook curl. And that safety's dependent on him to sink back in the hook curl where, you know, Michigan's quarterback loved it. Tanner Morgan at Minnesota loved yeah. it. They ate, they ate those guys up uh, with that. That's who we should have had on, man, was Tanner Morgan on this podcast. Good buddy of mine. That would have been fun. Uh, what a but, fun connection there, man. If Louisville just like – You, you, you want to pick you, up that name you just dropped? Louisville's but, uh, connections will take you all over the place. It'll connect yeah, you to sure. quarterbacks in Minnesota. You know, <laughs> yeah. but, oh, I knew from But uh, so just bringing things together with last year's defense, uh, there's a big difference uh, I saw in a play, and it really, really, really stood out uh, – with Brian comparing Brian Brown uh, to Purdue's DC, uh, B Brown, uh, it was a play, you know, right at the sticks, uh, and Purdue had their safeties and corners lined up, or their safeties lined up at the sticks, like right at the right at the line. If you were to see that yellow line, they would their feet heels would have been on it, right? And uh, just picture that for Louisville and Purdue. In Louisville's instance, our guys would have dropped back into coverage, right, and they would have gave up that ground. You know, we all can attest to that. We all bitched about how mm-hmm. plays would – I mean, he's throwing it right at the sticks. How do you not see that coming? I feel like I heard that hundreds of times the past two years. Uh, but with Purdue's DC, you saw the guy sit there. And, you know, a lot of times if you're running, if you're that close to getting a first down, it was like a third and seven, six, 
whatever. So, I mean, there was a Carl Flat combination coming from uh, either Michigan or Minnesota, and Purdue's guys were right there able to make a play on it because they didn't move. They read the play. They saw what was in front of them, and, you know, they went and reacted off of that, which I thought was cool. I was like, hell, yeah, we're not going to be giving up these rinky-dink third and sixes that we should be getting guys off the field on. We're going to step aside real quick, and when we come back, I want to talk about some of the historical data with Jeff Brom. I think some of the concerns before he was hired at Louisville are legitimate conversation points in terms of defensive struggles and um, finding a a consistency overall. Uh, So we're going to dive into some statistics and look at what they were at Purdue. Presley's got some some fun stuff for us. We're going to dive into that uh, as well as talk about some names that you need to know from the recruiting class as well as uh, from the transfer portal. Matt's kind of talked a little bit about what they need to add, but we're going to talk about what they have added uh, considering all of what you've just learned in the football school right here, you are going to learn about guys who can play those spots and what that they will bring. It's really fun to kind of connect the dots with the, the players to the scheme. So we'll do that as well um, as we, we come back on the other side. I know they're on the offensive side of the football, which we're going to get to next week as we you know continue to progress towards spring. But I, I'm really excited about – Madden Stanker and Luke Burgess, LNM Eats, State of Louisville, T-Shirt Hooligan, YouTube show coming out in the next couple of weeks. Make sure you subscribe to the State of Louisville uh, YouTube channel. But I'm really excited for the NIL opportunity that these guys are presenting for themselves um, and being able to go around restaurant to restaurant, learn a little bit about the city, eat the food that everybody raves about. Uh, and we've already seen, you know, these kids are 17, 18 years old. You get to see that personality shine a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, it was dope just to be able to do, you know, the photo shoot with them last weekend, Jacob. And then uh, the first time, you know, we kind of made this initiative to approach them at Kern's Corner and talk about that. And uh, Clay over at Kern's Corner was so generous enough to have us and, you know, to kind of get the ball rolling almost in a way with us. Uh, for this, uh, the guys have a natural personality. I mean, I'm excited to see them. uh you know, chat down on some food, conversate with some customers, conversate with the owners of the restaurants. They're they're both, you could tell, some avid uh, Food Network watchers growing up, you know, just like myself back in the day. Where should they go to eat, Matt? What, what do you think as a fellow big guy? I feel like big guys run in a, in a pact and they, you know, they speak a big guy language. And what, what, are you trying to say, what are you trying to say, Jacob? <laughs> where Where should these guys go? to eat well yeah, that's homemade chili put them in the transfer portal quicker <laughs> than suicide well. <laughs> <laughs> i knew that was coming but um i think the number one place for well, well not number one okay the top two places burger boy and mama's those two places mm, chef's kiss love it mama's has the best it. wings in town and burger boy has an incredible burger and their fries mm, delicious I love the idea of going to check. It's like a, some nostalgic feels for me going back to college. I think we all remember the days. I feel like if if each one of us don't have our own check story, we we did it wrong uh, as alumni of the university. Uh, but taking to taking them to a place like that where you get to don't think I've know, ever been to checks. Oh well, son. Oh man, I <sighs> wow. I'm just kidding, Jacob. We need to all treat you to checks. 
I'm we're going to checks. We're taking the boys. All to right. Checks. We'll, we'll That's where the next watch show is going to be. Jacob, <laughs> you still haven't watched The Godfather either, which is also equally as disappointing okay. to me as a friend. So we're, we're you haven't watched people. The Godfather? Oh, man. We're just going to do that right now. You come well, to me here. on this day of you not learning about checks. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> Look, all I know is if that Madden or Luke doesn't say, Never bring me the Gabagool, make sure the Gabagool is on top or else I send it back. We don't do LNM Eats right. Subscribe, State of Louisville YouTube channel. Follow at, uh, what, at LM under, underscore Eats, right? Isn't that the? Correct. At LM underscore Eats on Twitter and keep your eyes posted for, for where the fellas go. When you look at the statistics for Purdue football over the last several years, defensively, I feel like compared to what we know about their offense, where they've had, you know, Greg Bell and they've had Rondell Moore and they've had all these guys that have really showed out at, at, and really put that team in the, the position they were in. The defense was always just like Louisville, Ben, don't break, you know, hold, hold. Give up a big play if you need to, but don't let points be put up on the board. So uh, historically, defensively, what are we looking at here, gentlemen, for the guys who have, have dove into this statistically? What are we looking at? Is this a you know you, a situation where you see them coming in and these guys are, are ready to go be a top 25, 30 defense and really kind of take the momentum of 2022 and build on it? Or are we looking for maybe a, a, a slight step back to a big step back in terms of losing the the um, you know the talent and losing the experience and, and then introducing a new scheme overall? I, I think there's going to be a bit of a natural like slight step back, and that's not a slight at the the scheme or the players, but I mean like. When you lead all of college football in sacks and you undergo a scheme change and lose your two most prolific sack artists on said like leading sack team, there, there there's going to be like a slight step back there. But I mean, a, a, as far as the front seven goes, it's going to be I think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment with, you know, the returning guys taking on new roles, newcomers coming into a brand new team and learn and everyone's learning everything. The oddly enough, the one area of the field that I actually feel the best about is the secondary, because I mean, Purdue secondary. And when you look at some of the stats just from last year, I'm, they did, let me pull it up. They did average uh 224.9 in passing yards allowed per game, which was 66 in the nation, which I mean, you know, is, middle of the pack but they came away with 14 with 15 interceptions which was 14th in the nation they 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 make plays on the back end and then you throw in like how many like what the back end even looks it's going to look like next season for Louisville yeah you, you're losing Trey Clark in all ACC corner but you're bringing back Quincy Riley's which I will stand on that he should have seen a lot more playing time I mean while he was, he had his moments. Jarvis Brownlee is coming back. I mean, he was very much boomer bust. I mean, while he did have his fair share of boneheaded moments, he made he had what was it twelve pass deflections on the entire team, which is is not nothing. And he he came away with his fair fair share of picks too. Trey Franklin's I think is a really good de uh, depth piece. And then you look at the two guys that they've brought in. Um, 
you got Marquise Groves Kilbrew, former five-star prospect at AM, and then Aaron Williams, the four-star prospect uh from St. John Bosco. Once once he uh, recovers from his ACL injury, like that's a core that's a good cornerback group there. Does he then, even uh, need to be recovered? I mean, the kid played on a fully torn ACL. Yeah, that's I a good don't point. Understand. And then look on understand. then look on then look on the back end for your actual safeties. I mean, you're bringing back your two starters on the, on in the second half of the season and MJ Griffin and Josh Minkin. And then you bring in a, a, a starter from Baylor and Devin Neal. That's a solid collection of talent. And like starting in two. And, De- uh, in, and Derek Edwards pulled his name from the transfer portal as well. Let's not forget my guy. Right. That and you true, have, true. and you have Gilbert Frierson from Miami, who is probably going to compete in that. Uh, what'd you call it? The, the I think the he's going to back up um, Ben Perry at the star for sure. Star. Yeah, there you go. I trying to remember the names, right? Rover star. These names. We need to come up with something better than that. We you would not have lasted in a court meeting room. No, he would have been stomper. all over your ass. If you like just a person <laughs> that's out there to hit the stomper, the wood layer. I, I mean, I would be coming up with such better names than the, the wood layer star. Yeah. Star is very common. That other I, I, that's like, what I'm saying, but we need to like we need to break the mold. We need to like sh- how the status I was drawing quo. everything up. I was uh drawing that guy as a J. Like, I mean, like I've known that other outside, like inside linebacker, third linebacker, whatever is the Jack. Always. Interesting. Look at that. Yeah. See, we can call it all kinds of things. They're, it's interchangeable. Uh, and then you have, you know, it looks like there are some potential connections with a, a uh, Louisville native and uh, Beanie Bishop who played at Minnesota, um, you know, potentially adding to the cornerback group. Um, and then, you you know, you talk about other spots, potential, you know, maybe one more safety, one more cornerback. Um, you, you mentioned feeling good with the safeties. I'm right there with you, man. I mean, assuming Josh Minkins comes back healthy um, and you get, you know, uh, everybody back kind of on the same page, Quincy Riley could be one of the best corners in the ACC with more playing time. Honestly, I, I'm right there with you. I think that's yep. a, a really strong spot of the defense. Uh, but the linebackers, though, you know, you, you say it's two and you have the one who kind of is the 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 – Maybe the Dorian Etheridge of the group. If you, it's basically strong side and weak side linebacker. Sure, sure. But in terms of the style of play, you know, I kind of see more of the other linebacker, as you mentioned, being a guy like a Stanquan Clark who could come in and immediately be at, at home in that spot. Uh, but then you yeah. can bring in a guy as in the transfer portal to play that other linebacker spot. That's a group we're going to see more additions there. Um, and then the defensive line, you know, you you mentioned. And we've talked about the Ashton Gelati's coming back, the Mason Rigers, you know, the Des Tells, the the Tafik Thomases, but you also bring in um, Stephen Heron from Stanford, Ronnie McGraw, defensive end, six foot five, two hundred and fifty five pounds. That is big boy. Yeah, that, I mean that's boy. your Yaya Diaby on this team, uh, and then you also. Um, you know, have guys like Sadiq Clements, Micah Carter, Wu Spencer, probably not going to play a ton. Uh, but look, there's options. And then Victone Brown and, and all of these Sailor guys. Brown. Yeah, Sailor Brown. And all these guys they've added over the last couple of years, um, there really is a potential to, 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 like I said, build off of what they did last year. And Presley, what is it about this defense for you, whether it be good or bad, that it is kind of, you know, overall – what you're you're looking at from an expectation standpoint, because the offense you feel comfortable with, no, and that's Jeff Brown's specialty. You have quarterbacks. We'll get into that. They have weapons, wide receivers, but the defense that's going to make or break probably three to five games this year, yep. somewhere in that range. So, what do the statistics stay, say about how that will uh, go for Louisville in 2023? Well, I wish I could give you something that was more comforting than what I'm about to say. <laughs> I will say 
that when Jeff Brom first showed up and he admitted this, this is, this is something that he fully wholly admits to when he came to Purdue, he wanted to put up points and he wanted to win games 70 to 65. He I think I'd care. rather that than like seven to three, just be honest in terms of football style. No, Vince, Not the Charlie strong way <laughs> back up. You know, I'm talking about over here, backflips and slant routes, but I'm here for 77 to 68. I'll take well, that over seven to three any day. Of the I, week. I will take that, but here's, here would be my counter. Uh, when, when Louisville wants to, you know, they eventually, when the playoff expands, they want to be in the top 12. I think that's our goal. That should be their goal every year is that they want to be in the top 12, top eight. They want to be in the top two in the ACC, top three in the ACC, right? And in order to do that, when you look at the statistics, uh, and th- this backs this up over the last five, 10 years, uh, the best offenses in the country tend to, uh, tend to make it to the, to the final four, or they tend to uh, ultimately end up in one of those New Year's six games, right? The best offense in the country, top 10, top 15, but it's the teams that also have a, a defense that can ham and egg it with them. You got to have a top 20, top 30 type of defense. So what Louisville has to have is a defense. They don't necessarily have to lead the nation in sacks like they did this year, but they have to be able to have a defense that gets the job done as consistent as consistently as they did in 2022 uh, in order to make it there. So obviously the offense has to be better. We can all see and acknowledge that the offense has to be better. I said from, from the beginning of last season, every th- everybody thought I was full of shit. And by the West, the, the uh, Wake Forest game, I think people started believing the defense was legit last year and the offense had a lot of catching up to do. It shouldn't have been that way when you have a six-year quarterback. It shouldn't be that way, but it was. Now, when you look at Purdue, when Jeff Brom took over, he was they were not good on defense. They simply were not good. Uh, they were about last and about last in the, in the big 10 and, and about everything. Uh, and they consistently improved, but it wasn't a, a, an improvement over like, okay, they got really good in, at rush defense or really good uh, in the secondary. It changed from year to year. So g- going back just the last year, uh, 64th in, in yards per game, 84th in points per game, 58th in rush yards and 85th in sacks. That doesn't really, uh, that doesn't really give me a hard on. Um, when you go to 2021, 45th in yards per game, 28th in points per game. That's great. That's the best defense that, that they've had. And that's when they had that, that one year uh, defensive coordinator that, that moved on after he came over from Marshall, uh, 68 and 68th in rushing and 19th in sacks. Um, oh, excuse me, 79th in sacks. Um, and that's then a big difference. <laughs> yeah, big difference. Sorry. That was a, that was just a, a misread from, from the, the one looking like a seventh. <laughs> Uh, then when you go back to the COVID year, uh, 55, 55th in yards per game, 65th in points per game, 43rd in rushing yards allowed, and 123rd in sacks. Uh, so, again, it's all across the board. Uh, essentially, with the defense, they just tried to, you know, like, like you guys suggested, it was bend, don't break, uh, and they tried not to be like a boomer bust type of defense like they were in offense. They wanted to just – essentially, they wanted the defense to – allow threes instead of sevens, and they wanted offense to score sevens instead of threes. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, and so the other thing that it, it prompts me to look at, though, is how is Purdue recruiting versus the type of talent that, that Louisville is going to have on this team this year? And I think that this Louisville team, head and shoulders, is better talent-wise than anything that Jeff Brom had on defense at Purdue. So that's the one thing that I'll say is that he's going to have the players that actually implement what they're trying to do on the defensive end. So uh, while, you know, we 
we see inconsistencies that Jeff Brom's tenure at Purdue was marred with inconsistency. He's also working with the 75th, 47th, 34th ranked uh, recruiting classes. 34th was the best that they got while he was at Purdue. He did get some good players, but those were mostly on the offensive end. You know, coming through the recruiting classes, uh, they're not recruiting quarterbacks, safeties, uh, edge rushers that are like a big deal, you know. Uh, the, the, the highest ranked secondary player that I've found so far is Antonio Stevens, uh, 648th ranked player, 49th ranked safety in the class of 2020. Uh, Geo Howard, which I think you guys remember that name, 54th uh, nationally at his position, but he was uh, 54th in, in, in JUCO. So they, they, they recruited a lot of big name offensive players, but not a lot of on the defensive end. Immediately the staff has come in and they've tried to turn this into – I mean, just as uh, Matt just indicated, they have four and five stars all across uh, the, the back end in that secondary this year. So it'll be interesting to see when they have more team speed, they have more athleticism, uh, more skilled players, uh, what this defense can be like. Because uh, as we know, uh, you know, this defensive staff has a lot of potential um, and, and it would be really interesting to see what Ron English does. Uh, that guy's speaking my language. I don't know about you guys, but uh, English is speaking my language, so. I'm going to say this offense, uh, offense sells tickets and defense wins championships. Boom. We will win plenty of championships with a good defense. Cause you know, Jeff's going to put up the points. We just need a good defense. Well, the know? defensive data would tell you that that's a concern moving forward. And that, that we just need that, a good defense in the big 10. When, when Jeff Brom took over was essentially swimming upstream. Uh, the reason why he, sprung some upsets is because Purdue's uh, essentially what Purdue brought to the table and excuse the car horn outside my dog squeaking. What toy. is going on in it's your just, neck of the woods, bro? What we need to, it's, it's, are the, you su- good? The Southern Indiana hood just really, it's just, it's these, it goes these, down in, in the, Indiana. you cross, you cross that bridge. All right? It's going down. You're in a new tax bracket. All right, down, yeah. Um, listen, no, no. So, I, I feel like Purdue, their, their strategy when they took over was like that Western Kentucky strategy, right? Like, and they wanted to bring that to the Big Ten. They wanted to bring this air raid, spread it around, a trick play offense, and just not give a goddamn about defense. And that was the reason why they were able to spring some upsets, right? Because when you're Ohio State, you're playing Penn State and Michigan. And, I mean, granted, these are more offensive-minded teams like over the last few years, but like – Overall, when you think of, of Ohio State, uh, Penn State, Michigan, uh, Michigan State, uh, Illinois, you think of teams that are that are grounded in defense. Wisconsin. Yeah, you're scoring three points, maybe yeah. six that's, on a good day. That's what you a, think. A Minnesota even because they, they had a damn good defense too. Iowa. Like, yeah, Minnesota. Like you're talking Not only is teams. it cold, you have to watch shitty football. Oh, right, so a little like, Northwestern on a Saturday at noon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're talking – Purdue side of the conference as well. So they're not playing Ohio State and Michigan every year. No. But the reason they're that they're springing these upsets is because Nebraska. Northwestern and Nebraska, right. The reason they're springing actually. these upsets against, against an Ohio State is because Ohio State is preparing for these, like, you know, extremely talented defenses, you know, defenses with 11 guys that are going to play in the league, right? Uh, and all of a sudden you're facing Purdue who has this, like, I'm not going to say gimmicky offense, but like offensive oriented team, they're able to just make a few stops, you know, a few turnovers here or there, like they did when they, when they sprung some upsets, all of a sudden you're looking at a, 
at a squad just ripe for the pickings in the Big Ten, really ready to challenge the the status quo. The problem is, though, at the same time, Purdue, and I I don't want to go back, I don't know their exact schedule or their their exact exact win losses against every team, but Purdue's also losing to, like, Northwesterns, Nebraskas, uh, that that sort of thing. So so that's why I think Jeff Brom kind of has joked about, like, okay, well, I'm kind of, you know, revamping the way that I approach this and that, like, you know, kind of like Bobby Petrino did when he hired, like, a Todd Grantham, right? Like, you have to realize that even though you might know everything there is to know about offense, you have to be able to ham and egg it. Like, like I, I feel like, you know, so, so coaches, coaches who want to win a lot that are offensive-minded, they have to be able to recognize that. And I, it sounds like Jeff Brom is, and it seems like they made the defense the priority in the offseason in the transfer portal. Uh, so for that reason, I'm extremely happy. But I would say as far as scheming, as far as the success at Purdue, I'm not crazy optimistic that this is going to be like an incredible defensive team this year. No, here's the reason they beat Ohio State was because of the Trinity to Trinity to Trinity connection. Rondell Moore and what Jeff are you Ron. doing, man? That's the only reason. Get out of here. Mute <laughs> this guy. Boo oh, this man. <laughs> but look, when you look at here's the the kind of final thought here on the defense. Um, but when you look at the schedule. Georgia Tech, Murray State, Indiana, Boston College, Duke, uh, Virginia Tech, Virginia. Those all feel like very winnable games, very winnable games. And then you throw in, uh, you know, a, a much different looking NC State without Devin Leary as the quarterback. You're talking about a Pittsburgh team again, trying you to kind of figure Armstrong, out. Though. And I, Robert I know. and I. I look, and, oh, well, Robert and doing. I, Robert, he, he is Louisville's kryptonite. I sure hope. I hope Jeff Brom comes in and like looks, you know, he who the fuck is Robert Anai? Like, you know, because he's he's kind of been the Leonard Hamilton to Louisville the last few years, um, in terms of football. Uh, but I, again, it's just there's a lot of opportunity. Notre Dame, Sam Hartman, dude, he's coming in here week uh one, two, three, four, five, six, week seven. That's yeah, about he's the got, same time, man. You, he's you got Vince LaCoco quotes posted all over his damn window. Too. All right, so here's what I'll say. If Lottie, Lottie Stockwell, and if you're listening, uh, October 7th, <laughs> Notre Dame, Sam Hartman comes to town. Yaya Diaby, Yasir Dula need to be pushing that damn train horn together. I don't know how we figure out bye weeks. Maybe we call Roger Goodell, call in some favors. Those guys need to come home so that Sam Hartman will see the ghost of years past. Because if you remember to the funnest game, one of the funnest games uh, in my lifetime as a little football fan, Sam Hartman was struggling. He's going to come in at an all-time confidence low, for sure. For sure. That's going to be fun. Okay, so- well, I was going to say, number too. number one, I just wanted to point out really fast. Lottie, if you're listening, fuck that train horn. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, had to say it. Not, no. not, the, not, the, not the train horn that they ring after every touchdown. Keep that. No, it's the button. It's the, the button. giant button. The button man. is That's like the problem. I'm sorry. But it is. It is the worst thing going about Louisville When you make Lamar Jackson, like, freaking Tom Jackson. Dude, they have to, like. Both of y'all would cry if they asked you to press that button. Oh, for sure. But you have to, like, look. They have to, like, leave their feet, climb over this thing, and, like, two hands. But it's not even a real Smash this. It's not even a button. People's elbow on the button all day. They could literally just go. That would be epic. 
And it was, I'm and not gonna press. I'm not gonna press it and see if it's just some guy up there. We need to talk about controlling a the different horn. routine for guests coming back. It used to be the cards chant. It used to be, you know, maybe they need to parachute the guest in. I, we're talking about doing some more of that. What, what if something so, else? So the twelves so raise the flag, right? What if they? So the train horn is. It's kind of in a weird spot, but it's on top of the bathrooms. <laughs> it's like, it is it's on top of the bathroom it, it on is the, on top of the bathroom he is right <laughs> why why if yasir abdullah comes back to ring the horn can he not just go to the horn and, and do the horn ring it himself remember they used to put the person well, on I the, the live animal stuff. The shore. i like the live animal stuff we'll just release it out into the stand i'm not sure how uh, <laughs> ethical it is to capture cardinals uh, unless you but, can capture a tiger I'm pretty sure a tire is more endangered than a cardinal bird. Spring football. It's right around the corner. There's going to be a spring game on Listen, April 21st like on a Friday night. Presley doesn't know what a fucking yarmulke is. Lottie Stockwell, if you're listening again, we've got a lot of ideas. Can't tell, but dollar beers. We'll all be there for the dollar beers for spring football. We need to bring that back as a tradition. Uh, this is also the year, Lottie, for Louisville Football Live. I don't know what we call it. Well, we'll come up with that on another episode. Louisville Live Football Version Edition this year. It's happening. I don't know where waterfront. Yeah, just hand it off to us, and we'll organize. And plan yeah, we'll it do out. it. Just give us your fine. vendors yeah. number. We'll we'll call them. We'll connect. We'll make it happen. Appreciate you all for tuning in the off season. It's been fun so far. We've had some great guests, man. It's been really, really great getting to talk to guys like Tyler Hudson and Yaya Diaby and Cottrell Clark, and um, you know, preparing for the NFL draft for those guys. What did I tell you all a couple weeks ago? Louisville was going to be the talk of the town at the combine with those three guys, uh, and they did their thing. Tyon Evans. Malik Cunningham also did their thing. You know, pro day coming up. Hopefully we can see sure. some more guys. Marshawn Ford, Caleb Chandler, healthy, getting those guys in the mix. Yes, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey, you want to say something? Yeah, Tyler Hudson got hoed on his 40. Bad, man. That was bad. With I mean, I'm usually not one to buy into like, oh, stuff is, uh, you know, the mechanics are off or the machines are, are we talking off or about, whatever. Uh, we're talking about the wide receiver, Tyler Hudson, or are we talking or about uh, – Tyon Evans, excuse Tyon me. Tyon Evans. Yeah. Evans, excuse me. Yeah, he got screwed on his 40. I mean, that was a clear 4-3. All his, his entire body was across the line. I mean, I was mm-hmm. expecting, you know, him to post a picture of, like, his heel or his hand or something still back behind the line, and it's like, oh, that still counts. But, I mean, his entire body was across the line. That was terrible. Be like that sometimes, man. But, hey, I think there's going to be some Cardinals drafted – Draft season is going to be fun. We'll do a draft episode here soon. Got a lot of time for that. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Subscribe to the show if you're not already from the Pink Seats Podcast. Anywhere you get your shows at Pink Seats Pod on Twitter, at the State of Lou, at the State of Lou, at UofL Report, at Matt underscore McGavick, at Vincent Lococo, at Press Meyer, at Jacob Lane 08. Thank you guys so much for continuing to listen. It is an honor to be able to talk Louisville football with you all. Uh, this is a, a bright spot in my life, fellas. I appreciate you all. It's fun to do this. Spring football, April 21st. I cannot, absolutely cannot wait Let's to get go. out there at Cardinal Stadium. Woo. Get your season tickets. It's going to be a movie this year. We'll see you guys soon. Offense next week. Defense this week. Apparently it wins championships. I don't know. Offense is more fun. From the Pink Seats Podcast, go Cards. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.